to Season 3 of Royals, Rebels, and Romantics. This season will feature more peeking behind the scenes, pushing back at assumptions, and listening to the voices of the past. We'll have fun and fascinating guests and welcome your involvement in what we chat about. It's all part of Shaking Up History. We start with a focus on our favorite birthday girl, Queen Elizabeth I. All month, we'll consider this multifaceted woman who went from being baby heir to discarded daughter and from being suspected sister to Queen of England. Enjoy our journey through Elizabeth's England. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Royals, Rebels, and Romantics. I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Joanne Paul, who is going to speak with us today about her amazing book, The House of Dudley, God, King, and Country. And it is a new history of Tudor England. And I know we all love Tudor England. So welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here. It's um, it's sort of the perfect podcast to talk about the Dudleys because they were royals, rebels, and romantics. So I think I tick, <laughs> I tick all the boxes here today. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely true. And that's very exciting for all of us. So, so tell us, besides being royals, rebels, and romantics, when you decided to write about the Dudleys, what drew you to this family in particular? I think it was a question of, of almost pure curiosity of, of what the heck is going on with these people. Right. <laughs> um, I, I had read Lester's Commonwealth, um, which is the pamphlet, um, which the book opens with um, in the mm-hmm. prologue, uh, this, this secret pamphlet that circulates the Elizabethan court that talks about these this three generations of Dudleys and how they all end up on the block and how they're nuzzled from their infancy and treason and they're a tribe of traitors and how, how really there's this, this culture within the family that teaches, especially the, the boys and the young men, mm-hmm. be traitors. And obviously you think about that, okay, they're obviously not doing that, but something's clearly going on because it is true that for three generations, they get very, very close to the throne and then they end up on the executioner's block. So for me, it was just this question of what, what is going on in the internal dynamics of this family? Um, what was it like to be a Dudley? What was the culture of their family? Um, and and how, how did this keep happening to them? Well, that that is so interesting because they do keep coming back. Uh, you know, they don't stay away. They don't stay down. They reemerge and get just that close again. So that is a fascinating. I, I read somewhere in some of your research that when you were looking around the Tudors, the quote was, everywhere I looked, there a Dudley was, which is so interesting as you sort of look at the arc of the dynasty. So how do you think they kept coming back? after yeah, falls yeah. that seem pretty catastrophic. Yeah, you could you kind of just can't keep the Dudleys down, can you? Um right. and and uh you know the Tudor monarchs tried. Um yeah it 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 was really interesting to me. I decided to write this book about this family and I knew obviously some of the the major moments 
um, for them. I knew the major characters, the, the main figures. Um, in, in each generation, there's um, a main sort of male figure that we're all fairly familiar with, Edmund Dudley under uh, Henry VII, who's executed by Henry VIII, John Dudley um, under uh, Henry VIII, who is, uh, and, and Edward VI, who's executed by Mary I, and then, of course, Robert Dudley, um, Earl of Leicester. And so I had I had this sort of rough structure, but I I I, I thought that there would be periods, um, decades even, in which there wouldn't be much going on for the family um, that I'd have to skip over quite a bit. And I thought particularly that would be the case under Henry VIII that John Dudley doesn't really get up to much until um, the reign of, of Edward VI. And I was so incredibly wrong, and I was really happy to be wrong in that case um, because. They, they, they do just sort of turn up everywhere. And, and there is, you would think, something rather strategic in that. Um, they know how to um, make themselves part of the fabric of the court to, to make these connections, uh, particularly by the time you get to John Dudley. Edmund's less good at this, which is why he ends up um, losing his head. But um, they, they, they know how to ingratiate themselves, how to almost enmesh themselves into everything that's going on. So you see John Dudley, the battlefields of France in 1523. You see him uh, being involved in many of uh, the court performances, um, uh, the Castle of Loyalty, very famously. Um, you see him uh, in the... Uh, procession for the christening of the princess elizabeth um his wife jane dudley uh, is a lady to, to jane seymour they're both in the household of anne of cleves and so on and so on and so forth i could go on forever but you know there is a book that you can read if you want to find out more <laughs> hey. but just the sense that, <laughs> that that they're 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 always there um which was very very helpful to me um as a writer um but also i think tells us something about how the court worked. Right. And it's really interesting because there are some other families and there's one in particular, the Howard family, the Duke of Norfolk and all of all of that with the Howards. But it seems to me, and they come and go too, right? They get really close and then fall and then come back and then fall. But it seems to me the Dudley relationships with the monarch, they just feel more personal than the Howards. The Howards always feel like they're at arm's length, even when they're in favor. Does that seem right to you? And how do the Dudleys manage these really close, personal relationships? When I think of, even with Henry VII and Edmund, that was a really tight, small circle that Edmund Dudley was part of. And then, of course, John Dudley is is close to Henry and then so close to Edward. So how do they get that personal connection? There's there's so much in that question. I mean, first of all, absolutely right, I think, to compare the Dudleys to the Howards, um, not only because they both have treason uh, multiple times uh, in, in their family, um, the sense of, of, of falling and then rising, falling and, and getting close and then um, having to back off Again, um, but also because the Dudleys and the Howards were uh, deep um, and committed enemies, um, and you see that um, through through the book um, that the Howards were um, this ancient family. Um, they are conservative. Um, 
uh, religiously as well, fairly Catholic, um, whereas the Dudleys are these sort of up and comers, um, part of the new men that are brought in under Henry the Seventh, um, and then they um, also ally themselves um, with what we now call um, Protestantism. Um, and you see at various points the Howards taking any opportunity they can to bring mm-hmm. the Dudleys down, um, and they they possibly come to blows at one point and uh, Henry Fitzalan uh, who uh, is, is married into the Howard fold um, is, is really the one who, who possibly facilitates or the very least um, celebrates at John Dudley's (laughs) fall in 1553. So I I think comparing these families um, makes, makes a lot of sense. It's interesting what you say about being, this personal connection that the Dudleys seem to have more of a personal connection. I mean, I think in some cases that's true. It's also worth remembering, of course, that two Howards do marry Henry VIII. Right. Yes. Um, which, yes. So, so um, it, you know, there. I think that the Dudleys and Howards do use um, some fairly similar uh, strategies and and techniques in terms of getting close. Uh, to the House of Tudor. Uh, the Dudleys maybe um, are just uh, famously more more adept <laughs> at it. Right. Um, and we think to, of course, the, 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 the biggest personal relationship, I suppose, um, the, the most obvious one is, is that between Robert and Elizabeth, um, which uh, is, is possibly, probably very romantic um, and very long lasting. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. But before we get to that, and I do want to get to I'm that. Sorry. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> Jumping so ahead. Hang on. No, I know because that's what we, we do want to talk about that. But let me, let me just ask one related question to what you were saying. Um, because you're right, of course, Catherine Howard and Anne Boleyn from the Howard family, both Mary Henry VIII. But it seems like the Howards maybe are less united within themselves the Dudleys seem to be united within themselves. By the time Anne Boleyn becomes queen, she and her uncle, Thomas Howard, have pretty much fallen out. Are, are the Dudleys maybe more united than the Howards? I love that. Yeah, I love that point. I think there's something really to that. Um, you get this sense in which the Dudleys, um, perhaps because particularly this this line of the family, and I'll say about more about that in a second, um, is is fairly small. Um, it isn't as right. big a family. There aren't as many connections through ma- marriage as the Howards have. Um, right. They are able to enforce this idea of the family and a family unit. And you see that especially when you get to Robert Dudley's generation and they're talking about the House of Dudley. And Mary Sidney, who is a Dudley, is telling her son, Philip Sidney, that he is a Dudley and, and he has to be loyal to that family. He describes himself as a Dudley, even though he's a Sidney. And and mm-hmm. so on. So there, there definitely is um, that sense. Um, and there is this, this deep, deep love um, that is evident when you look at the sources and the letters between um, the various members of the Dudley family. Um, there is another line of the family and they, they don't always get on <laughs> quite so well. Um, that's uh, the, the Baron Dudleys, the Sutton Dudleys, um, they, they, they are the elder line of the family. So they keep, um, the, the barony and the title. Um, whereas this, this younger line, um, has to sort of fight for, for its, oh. its recognition. 
And so the, okay. the um, Dudley Castle is usually held by the elder line, um, but John Dudley gets hold of it um, for a while mid-century. Um, but yeah, they, those two groups don't don't get on. But the 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 Barons Dudley are just not very important <laughs> um, right. in in the in the Tudor period. So you don't get that really obvious friction um, okay. that uh, you get with with the Howards. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's just so interesting. I, I, I love just sort of peeling back and looking at that. That's wonderful. All right. Now let's go where we all want to go, which is Robert Dudley and Elizabeth. And you mentioned this long lasting relationship, which is one of the really amazing things about their friendship or whatever you want to call it, that it does start young and lasts through several reigns and lots of trials, and yet right up till his death, they are very close. So what can you tell us about that relationship and its its long-lasting nature? I suppose the first thing is just a caveat that we don't actually know um, when this friendship begins. Uh, later in life, Robert claims um, to have been very close with Elizabeth as a child. I think he says when she's seven, um, she's she's talking about not getting married, mm-hmm. um, and and that he knew her then. That's possible. Um, certainly, um, the Dudleys being very important in the court of of Edward the Sixth, and at the end of the reign of of Henry the Eighth, means that um, Robert and Elizabeth probably would have encountered each other at some point. Um, but we just, we just don't know. Um, and mm-hmm. Roberts later, later claimed that he knew her back when, well, <laughs> he right. would have reason to say things like that. And so we, we can be, um, if not dubious, a, a little bit critically minded, I suppose. The idea okay. too, that, um, that they met, um, when they were in the tower, cause they were in the tower at the same time under Mary um, again, there's no evidence that that happened. Um, no evidence that definitely didn't, but we just, we just don't really know. And so we don't right. definitely get them, um, uh, close to each other until Elizabeth's reign itself. Um, when, uh, Cecil invites him to be master of the horse, um, and he rides through London with her, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, essentially they, they start what appears to be courting. Uh, very right. soon after, there must have been a pre-existing relationship, or that invitation never would have gone out. Um, but we just we we just don't really know what it was, um, which is fine and fun, and that's what fiction <laughs> is for. And fiction mm-hmm. has given us some wonderful ideas of of what that could have been. Um, but we just, as as historians, we're we're just not that sure. Certainly, right. though, from that point, we can trace a, a really. Uh, tumultuous, as you say, um, but I think in in the end, for this beautiful friendship uh, over over the decades, um, they appear what it what looks like courting um, dinners in St James Park, gifts of gloves. He takes her to Chelsea, where his mother had died, and and so on and so forth. Um, it, it can't really be courting, of course, um, because right. of the time Robert's a wife. Um, and so, although there are all sorts of rumors, um, that it is courting and, um, that they will be married, um, that isn't possible, um, while Robert is still married. Right. Uh, shall, shall I, shall I go? <laughs> and, you know, 
into that one or, or if you have questions about that no, later let's, on. Let's go on. Just because we happen to be recording this on the anniversary of Amy Robesart's death. So let's yes. go ahead and take a look at that. Yeah. Um, so we are recording it um, on, as, as it just so happens, on, mm-hmm. on the anniversary of, of the death of Amy Robesart. Uh, Amy Robesart Dudley, the Dudley. wife of, uh, of Robert Dudley. Um, who is found at the bottom of a flight of stairs, um, dead. And the circumstances around that um, are, are very mysterious, um, difficult to figure out exactly what happened. Um, we know uh, from sources at the time um, that she had sent her servants away during the day um, to a fair in Abingdon nearby. This is um, uh, near Oxford. Um, and that's very surprising that she wanted them all out of the house. Um, mm-hmm. It's possible that she'd been unwell previously. Um, one of her servants suggests, uh, well, it, she, she sort of defensively um, wants to uh, defend uh, Amy Robesart Dudley against the suggestion that, that she had killed herself um, and that she certainly didn't do it um, by her own hand. Um, which, of course, raises the question, did, did she? Right. Um, and uh, so suicide becomes a possibility. Um, a lot of eyes went to Robert that he did away with his wife um, in order to marry the queen. Um, this, this is unlikely um, because, of course, the result was that it was very, very difficult um, for Robert to get anywhere near the queen after that, um, because you don't really want someone who may have murdered his first wife to right. marry the queen of England. <laughs> um, uh, William Cecil um, comes in as someone who may have been involved um, because he appears to be spreading rumors about Robert doing away with his wife uh, yeah. before it actually happens. Um, or she may have just fallen down some stairs. So it, it is, it's very difficult to know exactly what happened. Um, I, many other historians have, have dug through the sources and, and done our best with it. I think we all have theories and feelings about what, what it might have occurred. Um, but we just can't know. But the end result, I think, is very important, which is that, um, any suggestion that Robert might marry the Queen now becomes bogged down, essentially by this history um, and, and by this suspicion um, of murder. Right. And that is, I think, one of the reasons that people point to Cecil, because Cecil so did not want Robert to marry the Queen. And now it really becomes in some ways less likely um, because of the, the suspicious nature of the death. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh it, it people still talk about Robert marrying the Queen. Um, there's all sorts of rumors that persist that he's about to has already married the Queen. Um, that uh, a secret marriage is about to be performed, has been performed. Um, that that his marriage is a certainty, and 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 so on and so forth. Um, you you take one look at at the Elizabethan court, and basically all you can see are, are rumors. It's hard to, to mm-hmm. pin anything down. Um, so those don't go away, um, but it 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 would be incredibly difficult already for Elizabeth to have married someone who is the grandson, son, and brother of traitors. 
right. <laughs> and that he might have murdered his wife just just makes the whole thing that much more impossible. Right. Um, which, as you say, is, is, is possibly a victory for William Cecil. Right, right. And I do think, uh, and so let me ask you what you think, because it seems to me Robert's especially up against it because of his family. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this is, this comes up again and again for Robert. It's not something we have to speculate about. We know that the, the sort of the, the, the Dudley legacy, um, this, the stain of the block becomes a huge problem for him um, because we see it mentioned. Um, uh, we uh, in particular, of course, the, the, the greatest example is Lester's Commonwealth, that pamphlet, that I was talking mm-hmm. about um, where there is this sense in which Robert is the inheritor of this, this, this legacy, this, um, this family of, of traitors that, that he is might even stand above the treachery of his ancestors, uh, but certainly can't avoid um, being seeped in it. Um, right. And, and so this association between Robert Dudley and um, the, the previous generation's um, treachery is, is, is a huge stumbling block um, for him in his relationship with the Queen. And I think that's one of the things that I, um, just to go on a, a bit of a tangent for a moment, well, one of the things that I wanted to get across in this book is we have a tendency I think to break down the period according to reigns. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll have a TV show or a film or a book or what have you about um, the reign of Henry VIII and then another one that might cover Mary I and then a completely different one for Elizabeth. And, mm-hmm. and what that does, I think, is it makes it very, very difficult to understand intergenerational relationships and intergenerational legacy. And so when we watch a film, for instance, um, like the great film um, of Elizabeth with um, Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. um, and, and the, you know, there's, there's difficulty in, in her just being able to marry Robert Dudley. It's hard for us to understand, I think, as viewers, what, how difficult it is and, and why that difficulty right. exists. I mean, um, 1560, when Amy Robsart dies, um, that's only seven years after the succession crisis in 1553. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. very recent um, to the execution of his father. His right. own, he was himself convicted of treason and might have been executed. Um, mm-hmm. His brother was executed in 1554. This is all very, very recent memory for everyone living at that time. And I think it's right. really, really important for us when we look at that period to be able to understand that. Well, and that's really true because one of the things, of course, his father appeared to be doing was try to take over power through the reign of Jane Grey and Guilford Dudley, right? Um, And so maybe Robert is now making a play for power because there's this family tradition. So he's trying to marry Elizabeth and take over power. That's so potent. And you're right. We don't get that. And I, that movie was just actually on here in the States. And so I got to see it, but again, but you're right. We don't get any sense of that if we're only looking at Elizabeth's reign. So absolutely. I mean, Robert himself rode out to capture Mary the first, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? He, right. he was one of the rebels. 
Um, he is arrested. He's convicted of treason. He's, he's sent to the tower. Um, he himself is a traitor. Um, and it, it would make perfect sense to many people living in the period um, that he is just trying to continue what he had done just a few years before. Um, in marrying the queen, and I mean, we might even <laughs> mm-hmm. um, look look at it and think that he is right. Um, I think we can think of um, Robert, and you know, we we look at um, Josephine's fantastic performance um, right, with those yes. puppy dog eyes, you know. Um, but he he may have been ambitious, um, and uh, he may have been attempting to assert a sort of, of claim through Elizabeth. Right. And there was such a, a baked in belief that Elizabeth should not be reigning on her own for all kinds of reasons. And just because she's a woman. So that's so accepted at the time that whatever man is by her side is going to have a great deal of power in a way that absolutely. is different from today, right? So absolutely. There's there's a there's almost a paradox. Um well it's not it is a paradox when it comes to uh female rulers in the 16th century. Um on the one hand, um they must marry. And that that goes for for any ruler. I mean their their first job is to continue the line. So they must mm-hmm. marry. They must have legitimate children. Um and so so they carry that. Um but then they also must marry because they're seen as um, insufficient, essentially, on their own, that they don't have enough prudence, political prudence, um, political ability in order to make decisions on their own. Mm-hmm. But that then creates a problem um, mm-hmm. because you still want the ruler to rule and not whoever they marry to rule. Um, and so they right. must marry and they must be governed by their husband who of course would govern them because they are their husband and, and um, mm-hmm. they, they are the man and you know, they, they right. must do so, but they are going to inevitably have to also be a subject <laughs> um, right. to, to the ruler unless they're a foreign prince. And that's worse um, because then they're being taken right. over by a foreign power. So there is sort of no right way forward for um, a female ruler at that time when it comes to marriage. Um, there is there is no right option. Um, Mary I um, tries it. She marries Philip II. Um, there's, a, as, as we well know, all sorts mm-hmm. of opposition to that. Um, it, it might have worked in the long term, but in the short term, um, it creates a very fractious court, which actually the Dudleys right. um, take great advantage of. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it creates all sorts of problems. And so for, for Elizabeth, it, it makes sense that, that, well, if there's no right answer, I'll just, I'll just stick with the way things are. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but Robert certainly would have been considered one of the wrong answers, um, the really, really wrong answers mm-hmm. in all sorts of ways. Right. But, and this is one of the things that you just can't help but love about him. He just, he hangs on for so long. I mean, he just keeps trying for so long. He won't accept that premise that he's the wrong answer. And so I want to talk just for a minute about this marvelous, the progress she makes to Kenilworth in 1575. And it's been called sort of his big public proposal. Do you see it that way? Do you think he's really just sort of laying it all on the line? And I mean, he does so much work to just present her with this impossible to refuse 
request to marry him? Yeah, the Kenilworth celebrations in 1575, um, I mean, first of all, are immense. Um, the amount of money that is spent on this, um, you know, I, I personally haven't done the calculations to work it out today. Um, it'd be, be interesting, you know, is, mm-hmm. is that a bigger party or Glastonbury? You know, like those, those sorts of <laughs> questions. How much, how much exactly was spent? But it was incredibly lavish. And every penny that was spent was spent in order to either, well, to both big up Robert Dudley and Mm -hmm. big him up as sort of next to the queen. But the exact relationship that he was trying to promote for himself next to the queen, I think is is an open question. Um, Certainly there's evidence that he was still hinting at the possibility of marriage when it comes to Kenilworth celebrations. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's also a suggestion that in the course of, uh, of of these events in in 1575, he's also trying to propose another sort of relationship, um, which is this uh, unmarried power couple. And we see that I'm very convinced by the work of Elizabeth Goldring on this. We see this in the portraits mm-hmm. um, that are presented at Kenilworth, um, where they are these matched portraits. Um, of, of Robert and the Queen. Um, but they aren't married portraits. Married portraits, the pair would be facing each other. They're both facing the same direction. Um, so there's, there's this subtle suggestion, um, that you, it, it might be the case that they're not going to marry, but they're still a couple, that they still are a pair. Um, and that Robert is suggesting a new kind of relationship for them. Um, because of course, at, at, at that point, um, Elizabeth is uh, in her. I'm doing quick math. Um, her early forties, yes, mm-hmm. yes, um, and um, might not produce a child, although she continues to to take suitors for for years afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the prospect of marriage is becoming more and more unlikely. Kenilworth might be this last ditch attempt. Um, there's there's some fantastic poetry. We know so much about it. Um, when when Elizabeth leaves, for instance, I'll just I'll just read a bit. Um, this figure of deep desire um, bursts into into sort of poetic song. And desire. Uh, Robert had been represented by the figure of desire in in other um, court pageants in the past. Desire says, then farewell, sweet, for whom I taste such sour. Farewell, delight, for whom I dwell in dole. Free will, farewell, farewell, my fancy's flower. Farewell, content, whom care, cruel cares control. Oh, farewell, life, delight, death, farewell. I die in heaven, yet live in darksome hell. And so this idea that he is saying goodbye to her and to this possibility forever um does does seem to square with with that but we 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 just we sort of just i'm gonna say we don't know again i I, it's awful right (laughs) but but we but we really really don't picking up though on on your previous point about him holding on um Mm -hmm. certainly he doesn't marry again until after that point right and i think that's quite important we would expect a young man in good standing um, mm-hmm. who wants to continue his family line to marry after the death of a first wife. Um, and he doesn't. And in fact, he tells um, his mistress, Douglas Sheffield, um, that he, there's nothing 
he wants more than to marry and continue his line, except to keep the favor of the queen. And so he's he's obviously prioritizing that over um, the sort of personal and familial happiness mm-hmm. that he could otherwise have. Well, and it's interesting when we think of the family tradition of the Dudleys in terms of perpetuating their line, you know, they have been, I don't want to say prolific parents, but they have tended to have nice big families that that that's under threat, right? As Robert is approaching this time, he needs to, you know, kind of get going to have an heir pretty soon here, right? Is there some of that oh, pressure? Pres- Oh, precisely. Yeah. Um, he, he talks about um, his sadness uh, uh, at being the last of his house mm-hmm. um, because so his parents, uh, John and Jane Dudley, have 13 children. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, five, have I got this right? Five die in childhood and then four don't make it to the age of 25. Um, so by the time you get to the reign of Elizabeth, it's just Robert, his elder brother, Ambrose and his two sisters, mm-hmm. um, and his sister, Mary Sidney, um, is the only one it seems, um, who's able to have, have a family, to have children. But of course they're the Sidneys. Um, they're right. not really the Dudleys anymore, despite right. what, um, she and, and her son, Philip declare about themselves. Um, right. and that is how the line does continue. Um, the, the Sidneys, um, still, still occupy um, Penser's place today, um, but the Dudley line, that particular Dudley line, um, does does end um, because uh, Ambrose doesn't have any living children. Uh, Robert's elder brother, and mm-hmm. um, Robert only has uh, one legitimate child um, who dies young. Right. Um, and at that point, um, it's 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 sort of too late. Um, to, to have more children, he he does put the favor of the queen above the chance to continue the Dudley line. Okay, so let's just take that one step further. Wh- why? So I'm going to ask something that, as a historian, it's impossible to know. But why might he have made that decision? Because at some point, he's consciously making that decision, right, to put the favor yeah. of the queen, and it's. Uh, I don't know. Why would he put that ahead of continuing his family line? I think that's a fantastic question. And, and we do know that he is aware of it. Um, certainly at that point in the sort of the 1570s, 5080s, he is, he is certainly aware that he has made that choice. Um, mm-hmm. How much he's, he's in the 1560s, early 1570s, he's aware of it. Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. He may just sort of think, well, I've got time. <laughs> I'll deal with that later. Or I might marry the queen. Um, right. But of course, um, I think one of the things that we can say is part of the culture of this family is service to the crown. And that might seem um, counterintuitive <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. given uh, they're convicted of treason. Um, <laughs> but they, they, they are very, very dedicated to, to service. Um, the currency really of the realm course it's it's the pound but um the real currency right <laughs> of, of the court um is is favor and proximity to the monarch um and so retaining that becomes the ultimate goal and robert's not wrong as soon as he marries and as soon as that's found mm-hmm. out um mm-hmm. he is is uh thrust out of the court um he's eventually let back his wife never is 
Um, the queen is is incredibly angry, as only Elizabeth I can be, um, and he does risk everything in in marrying and and having that one last ditch effort um, to to produce a son and to continue the line. Uh, so it, it it would make sense. Um, I think for Robert to prioritize the Queen's favor, it's just I think it's very very clear, um, and, and in a very emotional sense, when mm-hmm. Robert um, changes tack and and decides that actually he is going to risk the Queen's favor um, in order to have some hope of continuing the House of Dudley. That's that's so interesting, and one of the things. I thought of when you said, you know, service to the crown is so important to this family. In fact, it seems to me that all of the quote treason comes from the next monarch, not liking the way the family members served the previous monarch. So I think yeah. Henry VIII kind of makes a scapegoat out of Empson and Dudley when he takes his father's throne, but they were doing what Henry VII said to do. John Dudley was working very closely with Edward and then Mary comes along and can't have that, right? Because she wants the throne. I mean, it just seems like it's their very service to one monarch that sometimes gets them in trouble with the next. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think you've, you've nailed it on the head there. Um, Exactly. Um, I talk sometimes about um, the Tudor monarchs needing the Dudleys um, either to sort of, um, stand upon and, and stand beside, um, mm-hmm. or to, to crush, right? Mm-hmm. And and to show their power. Um, it's always in a regime change um, that the Dudleys uh, end up in a fair bit of trouble. Um, and you're absolutely right. It often has to do with following the exact letter of of the king's will um, beforehand. Um, so uh, Edmund Dudley. Um, not a pleasant fellow in all sorts of ways. <laughs> Does some some pretty um, uh, unconscionable things, but um, he uh, he is he is doing what the king tells him to do. Now he probably could have done so without being quite as immoral, um, right. but uh, he he is he is doing it, um, and uh, he becomes a very easy scapegoat um, for Henry VIII because he's so unpopular, um, because right. he doesn't make friends. Um, there's a sense in which um, one of the ways to survive those transitions of power is to ensure that you have um, other allies other than the monarch themselves so that when they die, you are mm-hmm. not left exposed. Um, and Edmund Dudley doesn't do that. Um, John Dudley does it once. <laughs> he does it very right. well once because, of course, he does very well out of the death of, of Henry VIII, um, largely because he has forged those connections. Um, he's protected by the Seymours, who become essentially all-powerful um, in in the reign of, of Edward VI. Um, and so he, he manages that transition brilliantly. Um, but the next transition, not so much um, because... Um, whether through John Dudley's influence or not, and that's another we'll never know. Right. Um, Edward VI hands the throne um, to Jane Grey Dudley, John Dudley's um, daughter-in-law. 
And John, um, along with, it's worth mentioning, just about every other noble in the entire council um, mm-hmm. supports that choice. Um, but he once again gets blamed because he has made himself unpopular again. Um, it's, right. it's that lack of, of allyship um, that really leaves, um, leaves people exposed. Um, so, it, you know, it's an interesting counterfactual. Um, right. Robert Dudley uh, is setting himself up pretty well um, for if Elizabeth dies, um, he's already corresponding with Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, he, from very early on, seems to be interested in being the one that forges the connection between Elizabeth and first Mary, Queen of Scots, and then um, later uh, James of Scotland. Um, and so he's trying to set himself up um, right. to survive that transition of, of power, um, hopefully because he's learned a little bit from the, the mistakes of his predecessors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just doesn't live long enough to, to yeah. do that. A li- or, yeah, exactly. or maybe he thought Elizabeth lived too long. She does outlive an awful <laughs> yeah. lot of people there at the yeah. end. His death is, is, is very, very sudden. Um, yeah. He's, he's still in very, very good health. Um, he's, you know, just weeks after um, the defeat of the Spanish Armada, um, mm-hmm. and he's he's pivotal to that very famous Tilbury speech. Um, mm-hmm. May have the body of a woman, but have the heart and stomach of a king and a king of England. At that, he's mm-hmm. he's the one who arranges that speech, and then um, is is sure to have it recorded. It's it's the reason we know it today. Um, and it's only weeks after that um, that he falls very suddenly ill and dies. Right. And, and it does seem in in his final correspondence with the queen, there seems to be an expectation that he'll recover. It doesn't seem like they immediately knew it was a that serious an illness. No, not at all. Um, he he writes to her thanking her um, for I think she sends a, a bit of, of medicine um, or something for him, and he 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 thanks her for that. And you know, there's a sense of a sort of all. I'll see you very soon. Um, he's 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 um, traveling through uh, Oxford, sure. At the time, I, be- I believe it's it's um, following a similar sort of um, path that he had taken uh, four years before, um, just taking a bit of time away from the court, mm-hmm. um, and um, very suddenly falls ill, um, and um, and and passes away. And and this letter. Uh, very famously, um, does reach the Queen, um, and she writes in her own hand his last letter, um, and it's still um, by her bedside when she dies in 1603. Right, and that is um, just such a, a lovely personal touch of of the level of friendship, whatever else it may have been, that it was so personal. She kept that with her. That's just very poignant, I think. Well, this has been so amazing, this journey through the Dudley family. Can you give us a sense of some of the other things you're working on and where we can find you and stay up to date with what you're doing? Absolutely, but also no. I'm sorry, I can't actually actually say um, what the next project is just yet. Um, I'm waiting from for my team to give me the green light with a press release um but uh there are two more books coming um 
Let's see. I I, I can I can give a hint, um, which oh, is that um, I'm working on a biography of someone who does appear in the House of Dudley, albeit briefly, um, and has a connection to uh, where Jane Dudley died. And I'll leave it at that. Um, okay. And those of you who who um, like puzzles <laughs> can right. can figure that out. It, it it might once 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 you go, you go. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Um, but I, I am I am working on that now, um, and hopefully, don't think it'll be ready to go out next year, but hopefully the year after that. Um, but you can stay up to date with um, everything that I am working on on my website, which is just joannepaul.com. I am on Twitter um, at joanne underscore underscore, sorry, let me try that again, at joanne underscore paul underscore. And I'm also on Instagram at, at Dr. Joanne Paul. Um, and okay. I mean, the next big thing that I am doing is, uh, a bit of a book tour. Um, so okay. if you're in the UK, um, I'm at Chelsea, I'm at Guildford, I'm at Warwick, I'm in Cambridge, I'm in, uh, did I say Guildford already? I'm in Guildford, I'm in Ilkley, I'm all over the place, um, from the end of September into October. Um, so have a look at the website, um, and you can find all the details about how to get tickets to those events. All right. And I'll just ask for those of us, and I do have quite a few listeners in the U.S. as as well as me. Um, are any plans to do any book tours in the U.S.? I hope so. So I'm Canadian. Um, so I hope oh, that there will be some um, opportunities uh, to visit um, both our wonderful countries and to talk Dudley's over there. Um, what I do know is uh, that the book will be released in the U.S. in March. Um, you can okay. already pre-order it. Um, so if you look at uh, the typical ones, Barnes and Noble, um, uh, it's on, of course, Amazon and, and a few others you can find. It's got a shiny new different cover to the UK one. So if you already ordered the UK one, you can, you can, you can order the American one <laughs> as well um, because it's got a shiny new cover. Um, might have a few other added bits to it, um, and it will be released in March. Well, that is great to know. And I know a lot of us in the U.S. make good use of Book Depository to get the U.K. So I love having U.K. and U.S. covers. I can't tell you, it's probably embarrassing to tell you how many books I buy again just for a new cover. So this has been wonderful. The book is absolutely marvelous. If you don't have it yet, Either wait for the U.S. edition and pre-order it now so you'll have it in the moment it's released. Um, it's just, it's marvelous. And I want to thank you, Dr. Joanne Paul, for spending this time with us and getting us into this fascinating family who was right at the heart of power during this tumultuous time, rain after rain, they just kept coming back. And it's amazing to read about it from their perspective. And also, I just want to say just a quick plug, not just the men, but one, one of the things I love is we meet the women in the Dudley family. And they are fascinating as well. And I think um, we don't know them often as much. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that and for being here with us. Oh, thank you. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to share it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned about the women. That was something I was very dedicated to making sure was a part of this book. Um, and it was, it was actually, it was really easy to do because they are so, so important to the Dudley story. Right. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back soon. 
thank you for being part of Season 3 of Royals, Rebels, and Romantics. I appreciate your joining us. Please consider subscribing, sharing with a friend, and leaving a rating. And we would love to welcome you to the Royals, Rebels, and Romantics patron family. I'm really looking forward to shaking up history with you. Thank you.